We're privileged to have uh, our guest speaker with us today. Uh, Duke Hergett is the uh, founding pastor of the church at Newtown Road. Is that how they say it now? Uh, 1978, the Lord led him and his wife to just north of Albany a ways to, to start a church. And God's done amazing things there. Uh, Duke is now pastor emeritus. That's a fancy title. <laughs> so... Uh, but the reason that, that I invited Duke to come and talk to us about stewardship this year um, is because I, I've heard him preach in a number of places, usually to preachers when I've been present. But listen, every time Duke has opened up the Bible and spoken, I have heard from God. And that means everything as far as I'm concerned. So Pastor Duke, come on and share with us today what God's given you to say. Thank you. It's a joy to be with you. Uh, I was scheduled to be here last week, but due to some health issues, kidney stones, um, and the weather, I kind of backed out. First time I preached in a month, and it's, it's been driving me crazy. It's not a long drive. <laughs> but um, it's a joy to be here today. I, I had prepared a trilogy of, of um, stewardship, three messages. But today's the introduction, kind of the big picture. And uh, next week, uh, I'll combine the other two messages together, just kind of flesh it out in a practical way. What does that really look like in everyday life? How can, how can I go from just the natural into, on a regular basis, experiencing the living God in my life every day? And uh, that's pretty cool. I, I'm going to take you um, in scripture, we're going to fast forward a little bit, and then we're going to go back a little bit, but I think I'll, I'm going to take your attention to Isaiah uh, chapter 14 in just a moment, but let me kind of set this up here before we actually, because I won't tell you what verse, just turn to Isaiah 14, and I'll tell you what verse when we get there, but just have it ready. First, let's take your, put your, get ready, push the, the uh, reverse button here, ready? Oh, it's like 1972, man. And uh, I'm like a hippie. And um, we weren't church people. Mama took us to Sunday school when we were little kids and we didn't go to church at all. We had a Bible on the shelf, it just sat there. <laughs> Nobody ever got it down. But we had a Bible at our house and uh, I didn't know anything about it. Um, Went through the drug culture, all that goes with that. And people were out there when I was laughing on the outside. I was crying on the inside. It wasn't working out at all. To uh, make a possibility of copping a little drug deal with somebody and picking up a quick 20 bucks or maybe it was a narc, maybe I'd wind up in prison for 20 years. 20 bucks or 20 years, you know, that's no way to live. That was my life. And a girl invited me to Cook Road Baptist Church and she was kind of cute. <laughs> You know, want to go to church with me? Yeah, I'll go. I'd have gone to the dentist with her, you know. <laughs> want to go to the dentist? Yeah, sure. She took me to church. It's a Bible church, just like this. And uh, I felt so weird being in there. And I heard those scriptures. And started, stuff started happening in my, my life. I was under conviction. I didn't know what that meant. I just thought it was like going crazy on God, man. I can't stop thinking about God. And I was out by a pond one day. I'd been to church two or three times, and uh, I was, I'd stolen a 29-cent corn cob pipe from the local store, 
and I had blown a couple of bowls of uh, wacky tobacco and a couple of bowls of Morgan Reef pipe tobacco. And I was sitting there pretending and I'm fishing. I was so messed up. I was, I was melancholy. Something was wrong. And my friend, Roach, any of you have a friend named Roach? Roach comes walking out of the woods. I mean, not even close to highways, Roach. I said, out of the woods, man. He was wasted. And he gave me the typical greeting. Hey, what's happening, man? But instead of lying to him, I told him the truth. I said, Roach, I have no clue what is happening. What a great question that is, isn't it? What is happening? It was a Vietnam era, the drug culture. You know, my mom and dad were getting a divorce. It was ugly, domestic violence at our house, you know. We were messed up with liquor business. My dad was in the liquor business and we were a mess. I said, Roach, do you have a clue what's going on? He goes, no, no clue, man. I said, Roach, I used to think I was on a God quest because God is the ultimate man. I said, but what if God's on a Duke quest? That's kind of freaky, ain't it? God seeking you. And he gave me the greatest counsel anybody ever gave me. Roach kind of looks at me through his little, little glasses, John Lennon glasses, somebody say amen. Wow, man, like if God ever talks to you, man, listen to him. <laughs> Dude. Somebody came up to me after the early service and said, we thought uh, Tommy Chong got saved. Cheech and Chong interviewed him. I'm the kids are like, what is he talking about? Just a couple old stoners, man. Just 69 was a rough year, amen? A lot of brain cells died that year. You just work with what you got left, amen? We used to ask when we were hippies, who am I, man? Why am I here? Where am I gone? That's all part of this big picture thing. What's happening? It's kind of nice to know what's happening, right? So in this text, I remember Roach saying, if God talks to you, man, listen to him. And I, you know, I, did, I did Black Sabbath at 78 speed backwards. I didn't hear from God. I think I heard about it from his adversary, but I didn't hear from God. If God talks to you, amen, the living word of God. I didn't know anything about it yet, but I'd heard it preached and there was something drawing me to this book. You know, if you read four chapters a day, you'll read through this book in 11 months. I did that for years, and God told me if I did eight chapters, actually seven chapters a day, I can read through the book twice every year. And then I started reading um, through the Bible four times a year. That wasn't hard at all. And then I got close to 100, and God put on my heart to read through the Bible every 60 days. It's not hard to do. If God talks to you, man, isn't that amazing? The all-time undefeated, undisputed champion of love. One who has such power to just speak and galaxies fly out of his mouth. And you don't want to hear from him? We get to Isaiah with this question in mind. What's happening, man? Here's a big, big clue here, okay? The prophet has fast-forwarded 
to the end of time. In this chapter, we have the fall of Satan. I will, in the beginning, God created the heavens, inhabited them with angels. Satan was the original archangel, the boss angel, most powerful, most beautiful, uh, musically inclined angel of heaven. And in Isaiah 14, we have the, what is called the fall of Satan. Chronologically, the fall of Satan actually happened prior to the fall of man in Genesis 3, where the forbidden fruit and serpents slithered in. Yea, hath God said, and he deceived Eve. But this is the fall of Satan. I will ascend to the throne of the Most High. I will, not, I will be like God. I will not take orders. I will give orders. I will not be number two. I will be number one. Yet thou shalt be cut down to hell. Hell hath enlarged herself. Satan led one third of the angels in rebellion with him. Revelation chapter 12 verse 3 tells us. And they're cast out of heaven to the earth. What Satan tried to do in heaven, take over. God is going to try to do exactly the same thing on earth. Take over. And now the prophet fast forwards to the end of time. And he's looking back on what just happened. And he says this. Isaiah 14 verse 16. Those who see you, Satan, will stare at you and ponder over you. The King James Version, which I learned this first in, said that their eyes will narrowly stare upon you. My dad would do that. He would he'd kind of squint his eyes and say, hey, sonny, look on down the road with me. Kind of uh, look you know, into the future. If, if we make this decision, what will the results be? Extrapolating this financial decision or that. Squint your eyes with me, narrowly look upon him, stare upon Satan. And look what they say about him. Who made the earth to tremble, who shook the kingdoms, the nations, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities, who did not let his prisoners go home. Hey, we're, we're children of the king now. We're not bound by Satan. We're not bound by fear. All the kings of the nations, verse 18, lie in glory, each in his own tomb. But you are cast out away from your grave like a loathed branch clothed with the slain, those who pierced by the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like the dead body trampled underfoot. And he's looking at the carnage of what we read about, what is yet prophetic for us, Revelation 6 through 19, the great tribulation, tribulation like the world has never seen. Remember the 10 plagues of Egypt, how bad that must have been? The tribulation, which is going to come after the rapture of the church, the Antichrist sets up his kingdom. Two thirds of the world's population will die. It's going to be carnage. And he's looking at all of that, all of history, all the rise and fall of the nations, the, the fall of the Egyptian Empire, the Assyrian Empire, Babylon, Persia, Greece and Rome, Rome phase one, Rome phase two, yet to come under the Antichrist. He's seen all this death and all this carnage and he said, is this the one? Whoa, holy cow! What's that all about? You see, you and I have an adversary, the devil is a roaring lion, walked about seeking whom he may devour. We have a personal savior in Jesus who sends his angels to give charge over us, but we have a personal adversary, the devil is a roaring lion, walked about seeking, seeking whom he may devour. And so before we can understand stewardship and my part in this, we gotta know what the big part is. You know, I, I preach in a Peruvian, uh, Amazonian jungle, uh, thatched hut chapel church one uh, Sunday eight or 10 years ago, and little baby pigs would run through the worship service and chickens, nobody bat an eye because that, that was just their life. And um, those people, they saw us get on airplanes and fly away, but they had no idea that we didn't land in a jungle. That's the only world they knew. 
And sometimes we just get locked in on our little world and we don't realize there's a big thing going on here. The battle between good and evil, God and Satan, the battle of the ages, and we're part of it. We just happen to be in this little slot of time called what the Bible calls the last days of the church of Jesus. And so if we're gonna understand our stewardship, we gotta get a big picture. Hey, what's happening, man? What's going on? Well, there's a battle going on. It's an epic battle of the universe. Who's gonna win? It's never been in question. God hasn't broken a sweat over this thing yet. Like, oh no, maybe the devil's gonna, oh no, 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 it's not even. I wanna give you, fast forward another verse. This verse is in Revelation chapter five. Revelation chapter five, we'll fast forward again. You know, we, we talk about judgment day. We talk about the grand reunion on the other side. You know, grandma died, went to heaven. I have a grandson that died uh, about 15 months ago, little Caleb, and uh, he's in heaven and I can't wait to see him. And this is gonna be when I'm bouncing Caleb on my knees while I'm singing in a choir. This is kind of the, this is kind of the you know, end of time for us, the big event. Now, before I read this verse in Revelation 5, I, I want to just kind of just develop this battle a little bit. God raised up a nation called Israel to be the Messianic nation to provide the Savior through the nation of Israel, gave them the Levitical law, the tabernacle, the, the sacrificial system, so that he would present that God would present the knowledge of himself to the world, that whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. But instead of being humbled by that responsibility, they became arrogant. Hey, we're the chosen people. Yeah, the chosen frozen, and they didn't have love for other people. They, they were arrogant, and they didn't humble themselves, and they turned away from this God, and, and they didn't do their job. And so Jesus Christ lifted up his church, and he's going to commission the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we're, we've been invited to be a part of that. And in Isaiah chapter five, excuse me, Revelation chapter five, we're the church now. See, Revelation chapter one, you have the glorified risen Christ, his eyes like a flame of fire, his voice like a thunder, his hair white as wool, and when he spoke, the, the nations trembled, the risen glorified Christ. Chapter two and three, Christ walks in the midst of the seven churches, encouraging them where they're strong and, 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 admi and giving them admonition and correcting them where they're wrong and rebuking them when they're really wrong and encourage them, straighten them back out. Revelation chapter four, we see a door opens to heaven. Jesus says, I'm the door. We hear a trumpet sound. The Bible says that the last trump, the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we hear, a, we hear a voice say, come up hither. And the church is never mentioned again anywhere on planet earth in the rest of the book of Revelation. I see the rapture of the church, Revelation chapter one, excuse me, Revelation chapter four, verse one, the church goes to heaven, there's a heavenly scene and the four and 20 elders and he who sat upon the throne. We get into chapter five, we have more details about that heavenly scene. The church is home, we're with Jesus. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and uh, that where I am, there you may be also. And so these things that we dream about, we preach about and it comforts us at every funeral. And when your grandbaby dies, you, you got God's promises that it ain't over and he's still good and he's still big and Caleb's gonna have eternal life with us and we're gonna 
to be joined together with him. And so we're in the heavenly scene. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, and it says, And they sang a new song. The choir is going to gather over on yonder shore. What are they going to sing about? Worthy are you, Jesus, to take the scroll, to open the seals, for you were slain by your blood. You ransomed the people for God. For God. And so we see worthy is the lamb that was slain. Uh, uh, you know, the, the death of Jesus Christ was not a quinky dink. The death of Jesus was not, oh no, things went wrong. The tide of a public opinion went against him. He's, he's going to die. Oh no, 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 no. He said, you don't take my life from me. This is the, this is the plan. This is why I came. 16 specific details of the crucifixion of Jesus were given in Psalm 22 prophetically, thousand years before, all being fulfilled right before their eyes. You don't take my life. I lay it down. It's the plan. And the plan worked. Hey, this is 2,000 years ago, gang, when he went to the cross. 10,000 miles away and 2,000 years ago. Here we are, 2,000 years later, 10,000 miles away. We have the same word. We have the same God. We look around and see, well, who's there? We see in the middle of verse 9, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you and he and you have made them and God has made them kingdoms and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. You know what I learned about that? This job that Jesus gave. The church succeeds out of that. Everywhere we look out of every nation, kindred and tribe. I've seen you see some of your missionary letters on the boards here. You send out, sacrificially, you send out missionaries all over the world, just like the church is supposed to do. And people are getting saved all over the world. And people are going to be in that choir because Crosspoint Church is here. And you listen to what Jesus said. And you're doing what he commanded you to do. And God takes your money. He raises up people to go to these fields. You send, they go. People hear the gospel. They give their hearts to Christ. And they're going to be here. He always loved connecting the dots. Oh, this so-and-so got saved at this church. And they went over here. And he always connected the dots. Who led people? Who to Christ? And you're, you're part of that. You're, you're in on this. Dr. A.V. Henderson, preacher, remember Dr. Henderson? He was my wife's pastor at Temple Baptist in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, somebody asked him, said, Doc, do you fear failure? Hey, guys, that, that terrifies us, doesn't it? We want to be successful. I get on an airplane to fly somewhere to preach, and people, you know, guys, ask, what do you do? Women say, are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have grandkids? Guys, what do you do? I tell them I'm a shepherd. <laughs> and then they find out I'm a preacher. Guess what's the first question out of their mouth after they find out I'm a pastor? How big is your church? We measure one another. Oh, you're the 100 guy, you're the 200 guy, you're the 500 guy, you're the 1,000 guy. What? That's not how God measures it. We compare ourselves among ourselves. We're not wise. It's foolishness, silly, stupid, self-centered. Ain't Jesus-like. And, um, Doc, do you fear failure? Dr. Henderson said, quote, I don't so much fear failure as I fear being successful at everything that will not count in the end. Whoa. Amen. 
whoa. Here we are at the end. And the only thing that's going to count at this point is who's there and who's not. Now, another, another scripture. We're going back in time here. To Jesus. Matthew 28. Well, the tide of a public opinion did go against Jesus and the religious leaders collaborated with the Romans and they schemed behind the scenes and the innocent was falsely accused and, and they were turned over to the Romans and he was crucified. They killed him. <laughs> but on the third day, guess what? <laughs> he rose. What do they got to do? Kill him again? He rose. People say, well, I don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Really? Do you believe in time? What time is it? 1144? February 29th? February 19th? 2017. 2017 what? A.D. No, they're changing that to C.E., Common Era. Don't let them do that. It's A.D., Anandamini, which is Latin for in the year of our Lord Jesus. A.D., we say after his death, his burial, and his glorious resurrection. Whoever Jesus was, okay, believe what you want to believe about Jesus, but he rose again. That's historic. I, I, I thought of it this week. You know, if, if people really knew the scriptures and they really knew history, Christianity would not be called a faith. It would be called the facts. Amen? This is not a mystical religion. Hold hands, sing up kumbaya. Now how do you feel? No, we have a God who incarnated him, himself in human flesh, went to a cross, with bear, uh, suffered, bled, died, was buried and rose again. And now he's ready to ascend into heaven. He's got the church around. Smaller crowd than this. And he had a crowd in the early service twice this size. Size about one fourth of what you had at church today. He's got a little crowd there. After the resurrection. He's going to ascend to the Father. It's the last thing he says. Okay, guys, I want you to listen to me. My wife just retired, but for 20 years she worked as a public school teacher and, and she would depart every day and there would always be the last thing she said when she went out the door in the morning. And I could pretty much bet for sure that when she got home from work that night, the very first thing that was going to come out of her mouth was going to be directly tied to the last thing that came out of her mouth when she left in the morning. You know what I'm saying? On her way out, she would say something like, don't forget to pick up this, drop off that, call the insurance, whatever it was. The last thing she said will be the first thing she asked about when she gets home. Do I get a soft amen from all the ladies? Thank you. I was feeling a little bit lonely up here for a moment. This is the last thing Jesus said. I promise you, it's going to come up on the other side. Well, man, if God ever talks to you, man, listen to him. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came, I'll quote it, I learned it in the King James years ago. These guys are pretty pumped. They just saw him rise from the dead. That'll uh, put a little wind in your sail, won't it? The, the dude's dead? He's alive. 
And he says, if you believe in my resurrection, you will live also. Hey, what's happening, man? It's getting warmer. Amen. It's getting warmer. He says, okay, I got a little job for you guys to do. What's that? Go ye to, oh, he says, all power is given unto me. Does somebody say power? I'm a guy. You say power, I say power tool. You say car, I say fast car. Amen? Muscle car. I'm interested in power. You can have a saw, or you can have a saw, ring me. Okay? All power is given into me in heaven, that's where he is, and in earth, that's where we are. He says, I, um, I got a job for you to do. Remember when I was a little boy, I was so eager to do the jobs my father had for me to do? You know, mow the yard, that was a big deal. Get on the tractor when you're 10, that's a big deal. Jesus said, I got a job for you to do. Here's the deal, I'll save you for free, and then I'll pay you to serve me. That's a good deal, amen? I'll save you for free, I'll pay you to serve me. Here's the job. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach him to observe all things I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world, and to the end of the age, amen. Stewardship. It's right here. Why, who am I? Child of the, of the kings. Born again, child of the living God. I have eternal life. My body's his temple. He's made me part of his church. He's called me to minister. Who am I? Settled, sealed. Why am I here? I got a job for you to do. He's established his church to carry this thing out. The gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. That's a guaranteed win. Imagine getting together with a, a financial investor. Well, you can invest all this money here. You can invest $100,000 here, 50-50 chance. Uh, you get $150,000 in, in 20 years, or you might get nothing. Or you can put $100,000 here and guaranteed $150,000 at the end. I'll take the guarantee. No brainer, amen? Jesus makes a guarantee. He says the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. I was just learning about the church when I came to Christ as an 18-year-old hippie, druggie. The gates of hell can't prevail against it. It's a guaranteed win. Out of every nation, kindred, and tribe, missions, works. He's going to save me for free and pay me to serve him. The, by way of function, he calls the church my body. By way of affection, he calls the church my bride. By, uh, he says I give officers to the church. I give gifts to the church to profit the church. He receives glory in the church. And I said, guaranteed win. I'm a new Christian. I'm going to be a church Christian. I'm into the church all the way. Hands to the plow, eyes on Jesus, no turning back. I'm a church guy without apology. I made that decision 44 and a, almost 45 years ago. Great decision. Look back on it with great peace and joy. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Here's what we're going to learn about, guys. All power is given unto him. Go ye therefore. God's power is attached to his purpose. God's purpose isn't making us healthy, wealthy, and wise. Well, I'll say a prayer and I'll get a raise. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. Maybe you get fired. 
God is still good. God isn't good if you get a raise. God just is good. And we have this health and wealth thing that goes around and people get smiling and God wants you to be happy. No, he wants you to be holy. He's got a job for us to do. At the end, he'll call out upon a lot of people who said, oh, we prophesied in your name. We've done mighty name. He said, why, you workers of iniquity, why did you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? I think what Roach said, well, man, if God ever talks to you, man, listen to him. And God's talking to us. It's a guaranteed win out of every nation, kindred, and tribe. He's got a job for the, the church to do, to carry this gospel message out through the church. I'm a church guy. What time is the church open? Preacher, I'll be there. What needs to be done this week? I'll be there. How can I help with the music? How can I help with the kids? How can I help with the facilities? What needs to be built? There's builders in churches. Boy, God didn't give me any ability to do that. But I'm humble. I'll, I'll, wash the, I'll do the toilets on cleanup day. I'm not above anybody. I'm a church guy. The gates of hell can't prevail against his church. And so as God communicates to us, it's like, Here's the deal, the Lordship of Christ. He's the boss. I remember how complicated life got when I was a druggie outside of Christ. I was constantly lying to my parents about what I was doing, where I was going, who I was with. And I would lie to this brother, tell mom and dad that, and lie to this brother and tell mom I said that. And I'd tell my parents I'm staying at, at, at Dennis's house, and I'd really just be out who knows where I was at. And, and I'm afraid she'd call Dennis's house. And, and then Dennis would call and tell his mom that we were at at Mordecai's house and then, then if my mom called that we'd always trying to cover our, our, our past because we, we were doing bad stuff and you forget who you lied to you know and if you make the drug deal here or you're going to go you know maybe it's a narc and you go to prison for it, all this it wasn't it was complicated and then Jesus came and knocked on the door of my heart I always believed that Jesus the son of God born of the virgin Christmas Easter, Good Friday he dies, Easter he rose. I always believed that as a Protestant. I didn't understand it, but I believed it. You know, George Weston, first president, Abe Lincoln, 16th president, Jesus, son of God, savior of the world. And at age 18, the Holy Spirit quickened me, made me alive. I connected the dots. And I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I asked him to forgive me of my sins, come into my heart and save me, and he did. And he illuminated my walk. Now I know who I am. Now I know why I'm here. Now I know where I'm going. Now I know what's happening. If you don't know what's happening, how can you know what to do? You have what the world does, they just take care of themselves, get rich, bigger, better, more. Or you have the supernatural plan. Be part of the church of Jesus Christ. Sold out, faithful, member, serving all my gifts, all my talents. You see, church isn't something that we include into our life. Church is our life. My five-year-old daughter would want to get uh, from the usher every week. I want a bulletin. She couldn't even read yet. And Mr. Cody said, Leah, why do you want a bulletin? She, she, she said, uh, he said, you can't even read. She goes, my dad can read and I want to have a bulletin so I can know what's happening in my life this month. Because whatever is here is in her life. No questions asked, amen? She's raising her family, her three kids, exactly the same way. We are committed to the church of Jesus Christ. We don't go there, we are there. 
We have so many people in our church, I say, do you live here? <laughs> they say, almost, wish I could. Here's the simple life, the Lordship of Christ. He's the boss. He tells me what to do with my money, where to go, what friends to hang with, what friends not to hang with, what, what shows to watch on TV, what shows not to watch on TV, what magazines to get, what magazines not to get, what, what websites to go to, what websites not to go to. He's, he's my boss, and boy, he knows the way through the wilderness. I don't, all I have to do is follow. I don't have to figure everything out. He's already got it figured out. The Lordship of Christ, that'll get you out of a lot, a lot of trouble. Get you into trouble with some people, but it'll get you out of a lot of trouble too. The Lordship of Christ through the local church. I'm a church guy to the ends of the earth, missions. Guaranteed win. Wow. If God ever talks to you, man, listen to him. And that first listen comes, for me, I was 18. I had a grandma that prayed for us. We were all, my, there was domestic violence in my home. My parents got divorced. I had to fight with my dad to keep him from beating up my mom again. Alcohol, brothers, drug, drugs, DWIs. My dad was friends with the judge, paid off the judge many, many times, keep us out of jail. That was our life. And then Jesus invaded. Started with me, knocked on the door of my heart. June 18, 1972, I surrendered. I asked Jesus to take over, put my faith and trust in him. I'd always believed here, but now I believed here. I asked him to come into my heart and he changed everything. He opened my eyes to see. I know who I am, son of God, child of the king, called to preach, member of the church. Why am I here? To propagate this gospel to the ends of the earth. Next week, we're gonna flesh it out and show you we're gonna go from the natural life that everybody lives, paying their bills, just going here, doing this, to the supernatural. We can get God in on things and watch the miraculous hand of God move in our lives. Absolutely amazing. I could, I could do a 10 hour a day seminar for a month and just tell you story after story after story after story of the miracle hand of God that I've seen him do in my life. And I'm nobody. I'm just a little hippie from Ohio smoking dope down in the park. The police come and chase us away. I'm nobody at all. My daddy's a bartender. Granddaddy was a bootlegger. Great granddaddy was a moonshiner. I'm nobody, but I'm saved. He's given unto me eternal life, and I will never perish. Isn't that awesome? Stewardship. You got the big picture? Battle, the epic battle of the ages. Good versus evil. God versus Satan. God wins, not even close. Out of every nation, kindred, and tribe, Satan will be defeated. The only question is this. Are we in on it? Are we on it partway? 20%, 50%, half in, half out. I guarantee this, when that day comes and you watch me bouncing my Caleb on my little, on my little lap singing that worthy is the lamb, he's gonna bring up the last thing he said. He's gonna bring it up. And the only thing important at that moment is this, who's there and who ain't there. That's the only thing important. And we're gonna have a part in that. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I pray it's not 10, 20, 30, 40, 50%. And that day we're gonna wish it was 100%. So let's just keep our heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. 
So when we see the, the, the big picture and the purpose and what God is doing in our world and what he's called us into, when we go all in with that, then stewardship just makes sense. It is our lives, our stewardship, and all that's been entrusted to us. But we have to yield to God in that first. We have to say, okay, God, you are my God, you are my Lord, and I yield my life completely to you. And so I don't know what the Lord's speaking to you about here this morning. It may be that you have never really Settle the issue between you and God and, and receiving Christ as Savior. And if that's the case, it just comes down to acknowledging that, yes, I have sinned before God. I've sinned. My sins have separated me from God. And, and yet I, I know and understand now that, that God sent his son Jesus into the world. And when he died on the cross, he died paying the penalty for my sin so that I wouldn't have to. The penalty for your sins so that you would not have to pay that rose again from the dead. And he says to you, if you will just acknowledge your need and open up your heart and receive Christ as Savior, he forgives every sin. Gives you eternal life and then he moves in and begins working on you for good from the inside out. And so I don't know what decision you're here today need to make, whether it's to receive Christ as Savior or whether it's to say, okay, God, I haven't been all in. I need to be all in. Let's make that decision right now. If you need to receive Christ as Savior, right now you just pray with me. Pray this to God. Pray silently. God knows what's in your heart and mind. If you need to settle the issue of receiving Christ, right now just pray. Say something like this. Say, God, I know that I have sinned against you. My sins have separated me from you. And my sin will send me to hell. But I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose again from the dead. And right now, the very best I know how, I receive Christ as my Savior. I receive his payment for my sins. Amen. Still head bowed, eyes closed. Christians, you're here today, and, and if you ha aren't all in, or you say, man, I can see I really got to get aligned with this purpose and do that. Just right now, open your heart to God and take care of that, okay? But if you're here and you just prayed with me just a moment ago, I'm going to ask you to do something. I, I, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and indicate that. Nobody looking around but me. If you just prayed with me a moment ago to receive Christ as Savior, would you just lift your hand so I can see it and I want to pray for you. Anybody like that this morning? Anyone? Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? All right, Father, thank you for your working in our lives. Thank you that you've called us into this huge, big, eternal purposes and you give us roles to fill and and Lord, it's exciting to be a part of it. And I pray that uh, as we leave here today, that you will stir our hearts about it. Uh, that we might look at our lives and make decisions that would really honor and glorify you. And I pray for this one, Father, raised his hand to indicate he trusted your son as Savior. I pray, Father, you'll make this very real to him. I pray he'll connect with us so that we can help him to grow. And thank you, Father, for that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, Pastor Duke will be back with us again next week to finish up on stewardship. And uh, God bless you. You're dismissed.